beneath the deep blue sea, there lived a fish, but not just an ordinary fish, but the prettiest fish in all the ocean. She had scales of blue, green, red, yellow, and sparkling silver scales among them. I'm the prettiest fish in the whole wide world. Everybody likes to look at me because I'm so pretty with my colorful scales that shine in the ocean. But I'm so lonely. I wish I had some fish to play with. Other fish admired her beauty and asked to play with her, but she would just glide on by. One fish even asked her for one of her scales since she had so many, but she refused to share. These are all my scales, and they're so pretty, and they're all mine. I'm going to keep them forever because they're all pretty, and they're mine. Then one day, she met two jellyfish. Look at this beautiful jade, this beautiful fish beautiful here. Beautiful fish. Look at the beautiful fish and their beautiful scales. But she looks all alone. No friends, man. No friends. Little fish, little fish, what is your name? I'm the rainbow fish. Rainbow fish. Beautiful name, beautiful fish. Again, beautiful scales. Why are you all alone in this part of the ocean? Because nobody wants to play with me. They're jealous of my scales because they're so pretty and I'm the favorite, but nobody wants to play with me. Well, me, if you share. If she shares. Yes, brethren, tell her. Share one of your shiny scales. Maybe you feel good after. Yes, give it to my brother. He's ugly. Help him out. Scale. No, share I'm going to keep them. They're mine. Well, maybe give me one. I'll take a scale any day. Hmm, no. But maybe I will give one to your brother. Yes. He looks like yeah. he could use it. Share a scale. Oh. How does that make you feel? That feels pretty good. I'm pretty happy. You want one too? I'll take a beautiful scale from a beautiful fish. Oh, I feel so happy. I'm going to go find more friends to share with. So the pretty fish went off to see who else she could give to because she finally learned to share and like the way it felt to give to others. Look, brethren, how good she feel giving her beautiful scales Sharing away. Scales. She's not shellfish anymore. She's not shellfish. Not shellfish. Yeah. Yes, man. I think when she feels good giving her scales away, it's a good feeling good inside. Feeling. Good feeling to share, share. Let's go and sting somebody. Let's go yeah. sting somebody. And they all live happily ever after with their generous hearts. The end. <laughs> so you can take out your notes this morning. Come on. We're going to be talking about it's time for generosity. So you can take out your notes. I got to get my accent out of the way. What a great way for us to show that really being generous does something on the inside. Uh, why don't we just thank them again for presenting that so well. Oh, boy. You know, when it comes to being generous, there's a, there's a, a person that I think about, and his name is Jesus Christ. That he modeled generosity so well for us. And Jesus actually spoke more about being generous, more about giving, than he did heaven or hell. And not because heaven and hell are not important. It's because he knows that we struggle more with being generous than the issue of heaven or hell. And God saw throughout time that we as human beings were coming to this place that it was, it was about us after a while. And God said, I'm going to step into mankind and show them what generosity looks like. Let's look at what the Bible says in Galatians 4, chapter 4. And it's in your notes. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law. In other words, God looked throughout time and he said, for my people, I, I want you to understand what it means to be generous, so I'm going to model for you firsthand what that looks like. So God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, when did God give us his one and only son? Was it when we were well-behaved? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6. 
The Bible says when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. See, God didn't wait for us to get good and be good and be well-behaved. He said, I am so generous that I'm going to give to you while you were at your worst. Not when you're at your best. See, God gives to us out of the generosity of his character, not as a result of us being good. And as we learn about being generous, some of us find that, yeah, God being very generous and God being the example of being very generous is about us learning, really, how can we become more like Jesus Christ? How can we model after God being generous? Because it can be a difficult thing. And God gave his very best for us in every single way. And he saw exactly when he needed to show us generosity. God doesn't want us to live under the stresses of just having and under the stress of um, just holding on to things or even financial stress or our schedule, time, uh, managing and stewarding what God has given to us. He doesn't want us to live under those stresses. He wants us to be free to be who he made us to be. And so we're going to discover God's blessings in how he has put together some principles and how his laws work together for good and is going to help us to be a people who are blessed by God in every area, in our time, our resources, what God has given to us, especially in the area of finances. You know, we all struggle with that. When the economy goes up and down, boy, it really rattles us. But those who belong to Jesus and those who follow God's ways, we don't live in the world's economy. We really live in God's economy. And there's a difference there. This morning as we talk about generosity, our youth are actually modeling that too. Uh, earlier today they were uh, outside in the uh, fellowship hall and courtyard just filling people's waters, taking their plates, cleaning up. Uh, after second service today, they're going to be having some lemonade outside. So they're going to be giving that away. And just a way for you to be refreshed. But at the same time, it teaches our next generation how to be generous. And then after third service, they're going to have some post-its. And they're trusting that God will give them the right words to say and write down. And then give that out to people as they exit today. So our youth are modeling that today at the same time. Being generous is a, a difficult thing for some people in various areas. It may not be... A struggle for you in the area of time. Maybe you do have a lot of time, and so when someone asks you to help them, oh, yeah, can do. Or maybe you're financially secure and you're okay financially, and if someone asks you to help them financially, you have no problems with that. Uh, maybe someone needs help with um, uh, just babysitting, and you can do that. But there are some areas that today, as we talk about, you're going to find that God's going to pull out of us certain areas that he says, here's an area that I want to work on because this is where I want to bless you. This is the exact area I want to bless you in. When my son was younger, my oldest son, he was about three or four years old, he loved eating olives from the can. You know, he just would just pour it in a bowl and he would just eat olives. He loved eating olives. Well, one day he was, as he's eating olives, like many children do, they put them on their fingertips some adults still do that, but that's between you and the Lord. And so he had all of these uh, olives on his fingers. Well, his uncle came home and he said, oh, look, olives. Well, my son saw him eyeing out his olives and started eating all of his olives before his uncle could come. And he, as much as possible, he filled his mouth with, with as much olives. And he just, he just sat there eating all of the ones in his mouth so that his uncle couldn't get as much as he wanted to. And when I, when I was watching that, first of all, I, I cracked up laughing. But the other thing I noticed was it's kind of like in our nature to, to hang on, to hold, or in some cases, not share. Some of us have a problem with sharing food. I kind of do, and I'll explain that later because it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an issue sometimes in my life. But nonetheless, it still causes me to really search my heart when it comes to being generous. So what we're going to look at today is, is how we can learn from the Word of God this word generosity. We all want more in, in whatever capacity and in whatever way. We all want more. 
In fact, it was, it was yesterday, I believe, that, uh, you know, we had this um, amazing, as they call it, the fight of the century, you know, Manny Pacquiao and uh, Floyd Mayweather. And you have millions around the world watching this. The purse, the prize money, was estimated to be over four, $400 million. 60% goes to Floyd Mayweather, 40% goes to Manny Pacquiao. Uh, win or lose. So <laughs> you lose, you still pocket $120 million. Well, they were doing the face-off the day before, and as they both faced off, Floyd Mayweather, he's undefeated, and he's just standing there, and he just has this, this, this uh, stone-cold look, and he's just eyeing out Pacquiao, and he's just looking at him, and they're kind of bobbing, weaving back and forth. And the announcers are saying, whoa, look at his look. He has like a, he's like really, really focused, and he has that, you know, that, that death look. And then they showed Manny Pacquiao, and he's like this. And he's smiling, and, and then the announcer said, hey, what, what do you think is going, through, going on with Pacquiao's head? What, what, what do you think he's thinking? And he, because he's smiling, why is he smiling? And the other announcer said, well, I, I think he's saying, oh, I got this. I got this in the bag. I got this. But later on, when they interviewed them, they asked Manny, why, why were you smiling? I mean, I mean, this is one of the biggest fights of your career. Why are you smiling? Did you feel like you had it, that, that, that you got this? And he says, oh, no, I'm just I'm happy to be here. I just, I'm happy to be here. And he said, well, as, as, you know, this is a, a, a big fight. It's with the magnitude and, and the press and, and all of the attention. How do you stay focused? And he goes, ah, I read the Bible. I uh, praise God. I sing to him. Uh, yeah, I love God. And that's all he was saying. And the announcers are, I mean, it, it almost seemed like he was so focused on his relationship with God more than the fight or the money itself. Now, I cannot speak for him. I, that's just my own opinion. But it seemed like with all that he has to think about, his focus was more about God than what he was dealing with. And I find it amazing that as a believer, as all of us and, and those who believe in Jesus Christ, we're going to face fights all the time in our world. We're going to face fights with our time, financially, generosity. We're going to face each other. We're going to face people. But really, what is our focus? And today, I, I want to encourage us that that should be our focus. No matter what is happening in our life, that our focus would be God. That what we talk about today, we're going to focus on the Lord and, and what He's doing. And so as we learn today together, every single one of us can become generous in the way God intended us to. In other words, we can become more like Jesus as we learn these three critical biblical principles that will help us in this area of being generous. Here's the first thing, and you can write this in if you're taking notes. we got to realize this one thing, that God is our provider. He is our provider. When we were younger, my mom would make us cookies, and that was the, that was the, 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 the point of the night that we all looked forward to when we knew she was going to make cookies because we didn't have much. So whenever my mom made cookies, that was a big deal. Well, we'd sit around the table. My mom would bring cookies. We would dip the cookies in milk and, and, and eat cookies. And we were so, so um, thankful. But as my mom kept bringing cookies, we would all each look at our plates. And what were we doing? Yeah, we were seeing how many cookies were given. And then if mine were the same size, and if my sister's was, were, was bigger, I would say, how come she gets the bigger cookie? So you know the drama that goes on with children in, in, in that situation. So while we're sitting there, what we would do is we would actually hide our cookies. So when everyone was done, we would bring it out. And we were the only one with a cookie. Now, we all had the same amount, but for some reason it felt good that we were eating a cookie and nobody else had. It just felt good. Now, in, in being provided the cookies, where did the cookies come from? It, it came from my mom. That's what we thought. Oh, mom made cookies. But it really came from the cookie dough. But the cookie dough actually came from the store. But that's not where the cookies were made. It was made in the factory. But that's not where the ingredients came from. The ingredients came from farmers. And then where, does, where do farmers get their seed? Who created the seed? Yeah, God. You see, everything goes back to God that we're been, we've been provided for. 
Everything goes back to God. You might say, yeah, but I'm the one that works. I'm the one that puts my hand to work and I, I, my abilities. You know, I, I'm the one that do all of these things. Yeah, I understand that. But it all leads back to God because he created us. It was Abraham, a man by the name of Abraham in the Old Testament, if you read, that he, he named a place after God being the provider because God gave him a promise and he said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, many descendants. You're going to be a father and, and you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars. And so Abraham looked at the stars and, I mean, you just can't count them. And so Abraham's thinking, wow, that's, that's amazing. I'm going to be the father of many descendants. How is this even possible? Now, the problem with having descendants is you must first have one descendant. But Abraham had no children and his wife was barren, so she could not have children so when God speaks this to him, really, it's an act of faith on Abraham's part to really think about, whoa, I'm going to have descendants. Well, as time went on, God did bless them with a child. And his, his child, the promised one, the one who was going to be the one that would pass on this, this, this word from God that you're going to have many descendants, God asked Abraham to sacrifice that one and only son. And so Abraham, in faith, he said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. He goes up to the mountain, lays down his son on the altar, and is about to offer him as a sacrifice unto God. And it's at that point that God, the angel of the Lord speaks and, and says, Abraham, Abraham, you don't, need to, you don't need to follow through. For I know that you would not withhold anything from me, even your one and only son. I know you fear me. And then let's look at what happened right after that. Genesis 22, verse 13 and 14. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. In other words, what God calls you to sacrifice... He will replace and provide. Whatever God asks you to sacrifice, He will replace and provide. That's, that's, that's His nature. He's the provider. That's what Abraham said. Yahweh, Yaira, or as we translate, Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Abraham knew that. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11, it says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer... And then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when, you, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. See, everything goes back to God because he's the provider. He provides seed for the farmer, abilities for the construction worker, he provides athleticism for the, athlete, for the athlete. He provides artistic abilities for the musician or the painter. He provides those abilities. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, it says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. That the Bible is telling us, God gave us this ability. He gave us the ability to produce, to do something with the ability that he's given to us. Some of us are really good at producing wealth. Some of us are really good at uh, producing uh, time for other people. They, they can help you manage time. Everyone has given a certain ability, but it's to produce something with it. That God says, I want you to produce wealth. I want you to do something with what I have given to you. He wants us to be productive. Now, in our world, we really have two sets of people. We have wealth makers, and then we have wealth takers. <laughs> Which side are you? I mean, think about it. We're, we're going to be on one side or the other. And I would hope that in God's sight, I would be a wealth maker, that I'm doing something with what he has given to me, that I'm using my hands, I'm putting my hands to work, I, I'm, I'm able to do something with the life he's given to me. Now, I know for some people, maybe due to where you are in life or maybe some type of ailment, you're not able to do work with your hands. 
But maybe God has given you the ability to speak and to encourage. He wants us to be productive. Some time ago, a survey was taken and it said, on average, Japanese in Japan saved 25% of their income. Europeans saved about 18% of their income. And Americans, get this, spend 1% more than what they make. They don't save 1%. They're on the other side. We tip the scale. We spend 1% of what we don't have. Now, that's on average. So those of you who save 10% and beyond, and those who spend 10% and beyond, brought it down to 1% average. We tend to have the habit of spending more than we actually make. God says, I want to help you. Because I want to bless you in this area. I want to help you to be productive. Because everything comes from the Lord. As Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. God is our provider. Everything comes from Him. We don't own anything. It's all on loan. Think about it. He's the resource. He's the source of everything that we have. And really, when we pass on and go home to be with the Lord, everything we have, everything tangible that we have was really on loan, not owned. And we leave it behind. So God says, you got to remember, I'm your resource. If you, want, if you want God, whatever you want God to bless, make him first in. Because we can say, no, God is first in my life, but when I... When I decompartmentalize everything and I put everything in categories, he may be first here, but he's not first here. He may be first in this area, but he's not first here. So whatever you want God to bless, make him first in. If you want God to bless your marriage, make him first in your marriage. If you want him to be, if you want God's blessing in your business, make him first in your business. If you want God's blessing in your finances, put him first in your finances. If you want God's very best and his blessings for your family, then put God first in your family. Whatever you want blessed by God, put him first in. Because it's going to remind us that God is the provider. You know what the Bible tells us, Proverbs 21.5? Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. It takes a lot of planning to understand the principles of God when it comes to generosity. Then when we realize that God is the provider, what do we do then? We've got to plan out what we're going to do with what he's providing. For Heidi and I, when it comes to our finances, we do this thing called the 10-10-80 plan. We give to God 10%, we save 10%, and then we live off of 80%. Now, once in a while, we're not able to save 10%. But we will always make sure we give God our very best, our first 10%. The Bible instructs that. And so we give that to God. Why? Because I really want God's blessing in the area of finances. So I'm going to put him first in the area of finances. And then if I, we're able to save, we put a percentage there. But then we find out we can actually live off of 80%. And the way we had to do that was plan. We had to plan to do that. We couldn't just make it happen and then, okay, hopefully it works. We had to plan that. We had to plan eating at home. We had to plan shopping. We had to plan when we're going to drive into town, if we're going to, you know, catch ride with someone because of gas. We had, to, we had to plan these things out. And then we had to plan out coupons. When is the best time to cut out coupons? When is the best time to go online and, and, and check out these coupon deals? It was everything possible to help us live within our means. May we never, never be so comfortable with just being a spender and not planning on how we're going to take care of what God provides. Because we're going to find out in the end, we lose. But if we say, God, I want you to be first in all of these areas, oh boy, he, he blesses. My heart as a pastor is, I want you to be blessed by God. I really want God's very best for you. And sometimes speaking about finances and giving, it's a difficult thing because of the way our world is made up. 
the way the world operates and sometimes even the way we think, but my risk is that you would be blessed. My hope is that and my prayer is that you would hear God's voice and that he would pour out his blessing on you in obedience to his word. That's why we read the Bible. I mean, if you want Bible blessings, you got to do it Bible way. And that's why we're here. We want to learn from God. So I need to know, and this is what Heidi and I do. We, we put this in our hearts. And it's not in your notes, but you can kind of put this on the side, that we need to know what we own. And yeah, everything is on loan, but for the sake of a word, we got to know what we own. And then we, we need to know what we owe. What do we owe? For Heidi and I, we, we've, we've always said this. We can be in debt to other things, other people, but we will never be in debt to God. We will always give to Him our very best. That that's, that's what we give to God. So we got to know what we own, what we owe, and then what we earn. Some of us don't even see our paycheck. We don't even see money coming in. It goes straight to the bank or straight to a, a, a digital account or a direct deposit or the wife or the husband. We don't even see it. And so we don't even know how much we earn. And God is saying, no, you must know what you earn. And then this is the most critical. Where does the money go? Where does the money go? Now, for Heidi and I, we, when we got married, we made the decision that our finances will be one. Because the Bible tells us the two are one. So what's mine is hers and what's hers is hers. It becomes, I'm just checking if you're awake. Everything goes into one so that then we can disperse it. Otherwise, if it's my money, your money, boy, you, you, now, you now cause a rift in the family. But that's just something that I felt the Lord speaking to us. So you've got to figure that out. How is that going to work in your family? Because here's the second thing. And this is a principle. And we've got we to gotta get past the word, the learning of the word. And I'll explain why. Learn the principle of tithing. Learn the principle of tithing. Now, a tithe is a tenth. That's the word tithe. It's a tenth. Now, the reason why I say you've got to get past the, the word of tithe, because there's a principle that comes with tithing. That when we learn the principle of tithing, it's not just about giving a tenth to God. It's about what we learn along the way in our disciplines from the principle of tithing. That when Heidi and I made that decision to say, no, we're going to give God first. We learned budgeting. We learned economics. We learned finances. We were able to see who can do the finances better. Heidi won. She can do the finances much better. I was not good at keeping record at that. She's very good at keeping record. But we had to figure all that out. Why? Because we, le- we were learning the principle of tithing. Tithing is more than just giving to God. There are principles that come with it. And we wanted to learn from him how to tithe. Proverbs 3.9. It says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. And he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest Wines. Now, in those days, of course, they had farming, and they would give a tenth to the Lord. Today, we have a money exchange system. So we do that uh, in our day today. So for Heidi and I, it's a tenth of our income. We take 10%, and it's not who gives more. It's the principle of tithing. It's percentage giving. So someone who makes more gives more. Someone who makes less gives less, monetary-wise but all the same percentage-wise because it's always a penny to the dime when it comes to a tithe. It's always a penny to the dime. doesn't matter if it's $10 and you give a dollar, $5,000 and you give $500. It's still a penny to the dime. It's the principle of tithing. And God says, this is, this is, how, I cre- this is how I created you. I created you to stay close to me because as the Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, the principle of tithing teaches us so much more than just the actual gift that we give. Deuteronomy 14, 23, it says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Now, some of us this morning, this may be a new thing. We've never heard this. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, See, that's why I never like come to church. Why you invite me? I knew they was going to ask about this. Maybe this is not for you today. Maybe you're still learning about your relationship with God. Maybe you're still 
learning about who you are in Christ. And maybe God, for some of us, is saying it's time for generosity, that he is teaching us some things. But you know where you are with the Lord, and you let God speak that to you. And that's why I say be obedient to the Lord's voice, because that's where the blessings come. See, when you, when you tithe and God teaches us to put him first, it really brings our heart back to who he is. And it, it really causes us to be thankful, not just for what he's doing today, but even for our past. When I give to God, I'm saying thank you for what you have done. And in the present, I trust you with my resources that you have given to me. I trust you with my finances. I believe that you're going to provide for me. I know where my resources come from. And then it also says I trust you with my future. I trust you that as I give to you, that you're going to take care of my future. See, when we give to God, it, it's more than just the tangible. There's a future and a hope that God gives to us. And some of us, we came to know the Lord because God provided a place like this. And many of you give to the Lord's work. You give so that we could have a facility like this where it's not about the place that we come, but it's where we gather together and worship. That together, collectively, we give to God and, and through those resources, we're able to get microphones and, and video cameras. Why? So that we can have cool stuff? No. It's so that we can clearly communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ where we can, we can accurately hear the message of God. Where not only we can hear and hear, but in the fellowship hall, when they're sitting in there and that's where they sit with their family, they can hear the, the word of God. And then via webcast and through our church app, they record the services so that people around the world can hear the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. That we have a parking lot that you can come and park your cars and and we have a, a youth building where our children can learn about Jesus Christ and our, our, our young ones, our nursery can grow up in the ways of God, whereas parents, as your children are in there, you can focus on what God is saying. We, we have these things as a result of you giving. You give of your resources, you give of your time. And you said to God, I'm going to use my abilities for you. And so hundreds of people serve behind the scenes. God is calling you to serve too, because he's given you an ability. And so it's an act of faith that you're saying, Lord, I'm going to use what I have for you because I know everything comes from you. And it's a principle that God teaches us just by tithing. Look at how 2 Corinthians 9, 6 tells us. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful person who gives, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty of leftover to share with others. You see how the principle of tithing helps us? That God says, there's something that I'm doing in your life. It really has less to do with the actual tithe and more of your heart. That there are things that God wants to teach us. But if the Bible is telling us to tithe and give a tenth, where, where do we tithe? How does that work? Well, really, the Bible tells us we tithe where we worship. Look at what Malachi 3.10 tells us. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And in those days, they built the temple so that they could worship God there. That's where they offered all their sacrifices. That's where they would worship God. So they brought it to the temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the one area that God says, test me. Try it. You know why he's saying that? Because what God says he'll do, he must do. He's bound by his character. He's bound by his own oath. That in what he says, he must do. It's his character. 
you tithe where you worship. And this is where we worship. And all of our tithes goes towards advancing the kingdom of God. That we can continue to let people know how good God is and, and the hope that they have in him. And when we do that, what we're actually doing is we're not, we're not giving to a building or a church. We're actually giving to the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Because everything we do, everything that is produced here at this church is always attached to a soul. Always. Everything we do. Everything we do. From the printing of our bulletins to the way we work our cameras and, and the way we mix on the mixing board for video. The way we do our breakfasts, our lines. I mean, we talk sometimes 15, 20 minutes on how we're going to do something better. Because everything is attached to a soul. We want when people come here that they find Christ. We reach the lost, one relationship at a time. So we try to eliminate as much distractions as possible. That's why the campus is so clean. That's why you see people constantly picking up rubbish. Because if someone new walks on campus and they're a, I don't know what you would call it, maybe perfectionist or maybe they're a clean person and they see rubbish, first thought will be, wow, they don't even take care of what God gives to them. And now the heart is tweaked a little. Now when the message is preached, it falls on a hardened heart. And so when I watch you, I see you guys walking and you see a piece of rubbish, you pick it up. I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending people that understand that our heart is to reach the lost one relationship at a time. That they put their hands to the works of the kingdom. That's what you do. That's why you serve. That's why many of you serve during the week because you understand that everything is attached to the soul. It's the principle of tithing. It comes from the principles of God. Someone asked me, they said, okay, but, you know, what if someone needs help? Can I give my tithes there? Now, I want to clarify this. Giving to someone else to help is a great thing. But it's not tithing according to the biblical scriptures. Giving to charity is a great thing. It's a, it's a good cause that you may be giving to. But it's not tithing. Paying someone's electric bill for them is a great thing to do. It's a heart of generosity. But it's not tithing. Tithing is giving a tenth to the Lord. And when do we do it? 1 Corinthians 16, 2, it says, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Paul the apostle was speaking this and he was just giving them a way how to tithe, how to give. And he says, you got to plan it. You have to put it on the side. In other words, he says, when you set it aside, you set it apart from your normal finances, it's now holy unto God. You're setting it apart. That's what sanctification means. Sanctified, set apart. You put it aside to be used by God. And God says, okay, you put it aside. That meant you planned for it. It's not emotional giving. It's not pressured giving. It's not guilty giving. It's worship giving. It's heartfelt. It's saying, God, I put this on the side for you. I planned it. It's planned giving. Now, some of us will tithe. And for Heidi and I, we tithe. But we also give towards our building fund as well as our uh, air conditioning fund. And we do that because we know that there are more people out there that need to hear the word of God. Now, Heidi and I, Heidi and I as years go on, we're not going to always be here. But our hope is that as we give... This place will still be here. So our children, grandchildren, and so forth, and those that are in the community will still get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there will be a place where the believers can gather together and worship together. So we give. And we plan it. We have on our church app a way to give, and you can plan that way. It can be a recurring giving, and you just click it. It just makes it easier to plan. Now, when I give towards our air conditioning, it's always at the beginning of the month. I need to do mine because this is the beginning of the month. And so I give a certain amount towards our air conditioning fund so that when we um, get the units for this building, our youth and children can have the units that we have now and pass that on to them. Why? Because maybe one of your children or grandchildren might invite a, a friend or maybe you invite a family member and their children are in there. And then when they pick up their children... If they're all sweaty and hot and all, you know, all messy and like kind of like how they are now sometimes, they're just all sweaty, it kind of distracts them from trying to receive everything that God has. 
And so we see our kids, they're running all the time. Well, we want to provide a place for them where they can be comfortable and receive the word of God. So we try everything possible. And so that's why we have our church app and various ways to give. But here's really the foundation of what being generous is all about. And here's the last thing. To develop a generous heart like Jesus. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, isn't that the goal for us as believers that we want to become more like Jesus? That's the whole goal. We want to be Christ-like. No one in history ever lived the way Jesus lived when it came to generosity, compassion, kindness, and giving. It was Jesus himself. 2 Corinthians puts it this way, chapter 8, verse 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you could make, he could make you rich. Now, I know when we hear the word rich, we think finances. But isn't it true that even, even though we may not have much, we look around us and we say to our family, we may not have much, but boy, are we rich. We may not have a big savings, but boy, look at our family. We're rich. We have one another. God is always providing. He's taking care of us. But there's a phrase in there, yet for your sake. That Jesus was generous. It was for your sake and my sake. At the heart of generosity is for other people's sake. That's why we're generous. It's for other people's sake. Mother Teresa, who was well known for her ministry in Calcutta, India, that she gave up a life of rich and fame, uh, riches and fame, and and was among the obscure, those that were not well known, the the, the poor poorest of the poor, and she gave up all of that so that she could, out of the generosity of her heart, help those who were in need. Because she developed a generous heart like Jesus. And she always had it in her for your sake. She's giving up this for your sake. And so when we make sacrifices, it's always for your sake, Lord. It's for my brother's sake, my sister's sake in Christ, my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, potential believers, those that are far from you, Lord, for their sake. That's why I give, for your sake. Some of us, we're, we're challenged by this because in certain areas we have a difficult time with sharing. I, okay, when it comes to food, I'm just got to say it out. I have a hard time sharing. Certain foods I have a very difficult time sharing. Some of us, we plan our eating, and so you eat according to proportion. If it's, if it's Portuguese sausage, eggs and rice, you eat proportionately. So by the time it comes to the last bite, you have the perfect amount of rice, the perfect amount of Portuguese sausage, the perfect amount of eggs, and the perfect amount of ketchup. So that last bite means something. It, you, you proportionately eat that way. So when someone says, hey, I like one bite, it throws you off. You're like, you know, just take the whole thing already. You just might as well throw me off. Take the whole thing. Like it just throws you off. So I'm eating one day and my friend says, hey, actually, he goes, hey, that looks good. I said, do you want some? He goes, yeah. Now, in my mind, I thought I was going to give him some, put it in his plate. But no, he takes his fork that he was eating from and puts it in my plate and starts scooping up the noodles. And then he puts it in his plate. And so I just keep eating. Now, my friends who know me very well, they look at this and they're like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe you ate. And I'm like, what? It's like he took his fork and put it in your plate. I'm like, yeah, okay. He's like, no, you're not okay. But for my other friend's sake, I didn't want him to feel bad, so I just let it go. And my other friend was thinking, what? What's wrong? He said, you put your fork in his plate. He does not like that. That's not, that's not him. He normally would just give the whole thing up. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, nah, not a big deal. And I kept eating. Now, on the outside, for your sake, I don't want you to feel bad. But for my sake, on the inside, I was dying. I was like, Lord Jesus Christ, please heal my internal organs. Heal them from any disease, germs, or anything in the name of Jesus. Be healed. So that was going on on the inside. But for your sake, I'm thinking of you. You know, we, because it's on the inside that's going to matter. And God is saying, you know, we got we to gotta work on those things. For your sake. That's what Jesus said. He said, for your sake, I'm going to give all of this up. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. 
It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. Think about it. Being poor is tough already, but they're going through troubles at the same time. And it continues, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. You see, your heart of generosity can only grow when Jesus is in it. Filled with abundant joy. That even though you may be going through troubles of many sorts, you may be poor going through many troubles, really God says, I'm going to develop your heart of generosity. Because God is not after our money. He's not after our time. He's not after our resources. He's after our heart. That's what he looks forward to. The true test of a Christ-like heart is when you're tested in certain areas and still choose out of your own free will to be generous. So, so what's the end result then of being generous, of, of realizing that God is your provider, learning the principle of tithing and, 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 and developing a heart of generosity like Jesus? And here it is, 2 Corinthians 9, 13 through 15. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. That's the result, that God will be glorified. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the, the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this, wonder, for this gift too wonderful for words. You know what the Bible is telling us? Everything we do when we're generous is to glorify God. When I look at all of the volunteers, many of you serve day in and day out. I'm, I'm so grateful for that because many people come to know Christ that way. There's one person that I, I was talking to some time ago and I wanted him to share a little bit. His name is Dr. Kyle Chalk. And he serves out there in the parking lot and he's also one of our church elders. But I asked him to share a little bit from his life. No, what he went through and how did he come to the place of generosity? And he shared with me a time when he was married that his wife had some health ailments and she needed a kidney transplant. And by God's miracle, Dr. Kyle Chalk had the perfect match to give her his kidney. And then six years after that, she actually passed away. But I asked Dr. Kyle, could you just share a little bit on how you came to that place of generosity and what did you learn through that? We're going to take a quick look at this video, then I'm going to welcome up Dr. Kyle Chalk to share. Let's take a look at this. That's one of the unfortunate, unfortunate things about lupus and kidney transplants is that it depresses your immune system and so you're more susceptible to cancer. You would think that my heart would be more jaded but because of her faith and the strength uh, which she was calling for Jesus even in her, her, her last moment when she said, I'm blind, I can't see, I can't move her arm. Jesus, come get me. You could see it in her eyes. Her eyes which didn't even see, she could see him. And, and that, that really strengthened me. So. Her death did not break me, but made my faith even stronger. Well, my life really hasn't changed. Uh, I, I get along fine with one kidney, but I have gotten a much, much bigger heart, so it was all good. Would you welcome up Dr. Kyle Chalk this morning and thank him. Thank you, Dr. Chalk. Good morning. Thank you so much. So what, what brought you to the place of generosity. I mean, how did you get to that place? Well, I have to admit that uh, trusting God with my finances was very difficult. Just, just like your son in his olives. I'm 100% <laughs> Pake or Chinese. <laughs> so letting go of my money, that's not, that doesn't come naturally. But I trusted in, in God. I trusted in his word. And in time, 
I kept on giving, and I'm so blessed for it. I'm so blessed for it. As far as serving, we have so many volunteers that, that showed me the way. And there was a special mentor, uh, Dr. Robin Takahashi, who even retired early, ruined his pension plan so his work wouldn't get in the way of serving a church. Wow. As far as being generous to others, uh, that, part, that part is easy because I've always, just like the scripture said, believed in the, the law of the harvest. We reap what we sow. And when you give generously, it all comes back. It all comes back. So how do you sustain the heart of generosity? Does, does it go up and down? And how, how does that work with you? No, again, I had a great mentor in my first wife. She taught me how to finish well. She saw the finish line. She saw Jesus there. And that is what I want to do. I want to finish well. Well, we want to thank you, Dr. Kyle, for setting an example for all of us. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to say one last thing. is that uh, It's easy to be the happy JPO here. (laughs) Because I know where the finish line is. I know the Lord who will point me toward it. And when I see you coming, I want to show you too where it is. And thank you too, Pastor Sheldon, for being the messenger to tell them where it is. Thank you, Dr. Kyle. Appreciate you. Thank you. (laughs) Would you bow your heads with me as we conclude in prayer? Lord, we're so grateful. For people like Dr. Kyle, Dr. Robin, who are our elders that they teach us, Lord. We thank you for your word that, boy, when we read the scriptures, it, it challenges us, but in a good way, Lord. It, it also disciplines us. It teaches us principles. And, but most of all, Lord, it really teaches your heart. That you are the one who first gave to us. That we can only love because you first loved us. We can only enter into heaven because you first came to us. We can worship you because you created us first to worship you. You always modeled for us what generosity looks like. So in all of the areas that we're dealing with today when it comes to being generous, Lord, can you just do a mighty work that you would refresh our hearts? For some of us, it's a reminder. For some... It's a teaching moment. But for all of us, Lord, we just want to say thank you for being our provider. Thank you for teaching us your principles because we want to develop a generous heart so that people see it and they don't see us, but that they would see Jesus in us and then they would glorify you in heaven. It's time for generosity, Lord. You modeled it so well. Let us do the same. In Jesus' precious name that we pray. And we all said, amen.